Hey everyone, welcome to the Threadcast. Ryan Smith here. Hope that your week is going well. Uh, here in our neck of the woods, we are getting ready to start school up. I've started coaching tennis. It's so exciting. I uh, haven't been playing tennis in a while, so it's been fun. Got a good group of kids. Um, we had a great, great gathering this past Sunday uh, on Zoom. Had good conversation. And so I want to share some of that with you and then some just thoughts on, on the world. Not the world, but like in our triangle, when we talk about the idea of self-tribe and world. Debbie Byers brought some thoughts on the world um, that I thought was interesting. And I I enjoyed uh, some of her references and thoughts and questions. And she brought up conversations about, you know, black and white and living in the gray and and, um, some really other good conversation pieces. And so um, the main thing she, uh, not the main thing, but one of the things she brought up was a concept in which we talk about world. You know, we're talking about it in the three aspects that we have. You know, you deal with yourself, you're right, that's an individual, and then you deal with the tribe, right, and that you have small groups inside your, your life that are important to you that bring insight and connection. You have conversation and accountability to who you are. Um, but then we, we threw in that third word as world, right? So that exists outside of yourself, outside of tribe, and that's the world. And you can apply that in a lot of different ways. Um, but it's really this idea that we're called to be outside of our tribes and, and self, right? There, there's that third part of who we are. And Debbie brought up the idea of, um, you know, the idea how in Scripture, the word world, um, a lot of times is in the New Testament is used in reference as to something that is antagonistic toward a Christian person, right? Somebody that's trying to follow Christ. Um, that um, they're supposed to follow God's word and not the world, right? Um, and I hadn't thought of that in this concept of us talking about the triangle and using the word world, and it's and it's kind of its recognition of something that uh, is not of God. And um, she brought up the idea of um, she had a question, how much do I want to participate in the world? I think that's such a, a profound question, right? I think that's a question that it, when you're trying to follow Christ, it's it's a legitimate question, right? You know, is how much do I want to to um, to follow the world? Because it, it kind of comes from um, when Jesus is praying in the garden, um, or not in the garden, but he's praying, and he's praying to God. Um, he makes a statement, and you can find this in John 17, his prayer. And he makes comments about, in verse 20, uh, he says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who I who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. Right there, So there's that idea that the world is used for people outside of Christ and God. And I've given them glory and gave them. They may be one as we are one. I and them, you and me, so that may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved me. Um, and this idea um, that uh, that the world, uh, if you go up in verse 14, I've given them your word and the world has hated them, right? For they are not of the world anymore than I am of the world. Therefore, they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. It says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as it, as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. You, As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Right. So there's this idea that the world is antagonistic. 
Um, and so it's this idea that it's where temptation is, it's, it's, it's where the devil is, right? It's all these things that, that we are not participants um, of this world. But at the same time, he says, I, I'm, I'm not taking, I don't want you to take them out of this world, right? I, I want you to, I want them to still be in this world, but I don't want them to be a part of this world. And so it really gets into that conversation of how much do I participate in the world? And I think, <clears throat> I don't think this is where Debbie was necessarily coming from, um, but I think many churches, many of the way we, Christians, the way we have approached this concept in the past is one of fear, right? This idea that that I don't want to fall short, I don't want to sin, I don't want to be this evil person, and it, when I'm in the world, I, I there's more temptations, right? And so I need to be, I need to... To, to limit how much of I am in this world. And there's wisdom in that. I'm not, I'm not trying to dog that. Uh, but there is this idea that when we talk about the, the world in the sense of the world is, is not of us, we talk with, it, with this atmosphere of fear, of, of I can't go there because of what I might turn into, right? Um, that I might be tempted too much or that it's, just, that it's going to get me just too dirty. Remember, in this prayer, Jesus says, I don't want you to take them out. Um, and so we have this fear of being corrupted. And I think that's a valid fear, right? There is this idea that, that you know, this idea, you talk at, you know, look at AA um, when people are alcoholics, right? And they talk about how they're always alcoholics, where they don't ever want to have one drink ever again because they could just give into it. And I understand that, right? That there's, there's, there is something to knowing who we are and our temptation, what we might fall into, right? And so I, I don't want to, to say, oh, um, we're invincible. Um, but I do want to say sometimes when we talk about in the sense of fear that you know how much I want to do, we almost put so many barriers up between us and the world that we build this nice, neat little castle for ourselves and put a moat around our castle and just live inside of our walls and say, hey, we're in the world because our castle's in this world, but we never really engage the world because of our fear of us being corrupted or valid, right? And so you see this in different ways, um, you know, for us oldest people who have been in the Facebook world, um, you'll see it. I mean, one of your friends in, at some point, um, and I don't know how often this comes across your feed, you're going to see, man, Facebook, they're going to make this kind of generic post that basically says, hey, you know, social media is so bad. I just watched this documentary on social media or, man, this is so um, corrupt or whatever. I'm going to either they'll say, I'm going to take a break from Facebook or I am going to just delete my account, right? Nice knowing you. We'll see you in the real world. I get it, right? That's that's part of this, this idea that this place is so corrupt that I just can't deal with it anymore, so I'm out. I get that, right? And I think there's, I think this is where we have the conversation about seasons. This is the conversation where we have about some, there's a season where maybe I need to step back, right? Um, but this idea that I'm going to completely cut myself away from this, right? And a lot of them you'll see they like, join back up in Facebook a little bit later, where that kind of deal. Um, but there's this extreme that we have this conversation about. I'm going to just cut myself away, or you see this in with parents and their kids, right? This idea that. Um, my kid is at a bad school, and um, he's going to be corrupted there. There's violence there, whatever, and so I'm going to pull him out and put him into a different school. Or we're going to move neighborhoods because the neighborhood I'm in is too violent, right? And I get that, right? Because I've had the same conversations about my kids. Um, 
as if, as a matter of fact, when we moved, first moved back to Little Rock, um, we had an opportunity to live in a house for free. Um, but I'll be honest, that house was in possibly the worst neighborhood in all of Little Rock. But it was going to be free. Um, but we just couldn't do it. And that was such a struggle for us that, that we couldn't live in this house where we knew there was gang violence. We knew that there's all this stuff. And we did, we just, we couldn't consciously put ourselves in there. And what does that say about us, right? What is that, you know, that's that conversation piece. And what about the families that are already living there? What about their kids? But for us, that was a conversation we had. And, uh, and then we even, you know, even to this day, you know, it's, it's been what, four or five years removed since we had that, that choice. And we've seen where there's been, um, gun violence right there at that around that house in that neighborhood on that street as a matter of fact so i don't regret that conversation i don't regret regret and met that choice but it's still there is this idea that i am called to be in the world i'm not called to leave this world i'm not called to put up a, a moat so that i'm not but i have to be wise about it right i have to do this you know or uh, some people even you know have the, have this debate and you know, like they'll say you know around their coworkers or whoever might be, hey, don't cuss around me, right? I'm a Christian. Or, um, hey, you can't drink around me. You can't do this around me because I'm a Christian, right? So this idea that, that I'm going to I'm going to make the this the space around me holy. And so uh, you can't cuss around me, you can't you can't do that around me, you can't watch that around me, you can't say that around me, right? And again, there is this idea that we are called to filter what we put in our heads, what we put in our minds totally get that right so this is where this 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 living in the gray of what it means to be a christ follower that we're in this world but he's not going to take us out right jesus could have taken us out and, and we could we could be out of this craziness but he said no i still want you in there and he hasn't come back yet so we still have to wrestle with what it means to live in this world and and how, how do i do those things um and I'd like to say, here's a nice, neat little bow for you, and I'm going to give you all your answers right here and on how to do this. But I think, um, one, I, I don't have those answers. But yeah, two, if I did have those answers, you know what? I'd be cheating you out of figuring this out yourself. <laughs> no. Um, but there is this this idea. When we talk about we are called to to be in this world, what does that look like? And so I have, I found four references um, um, in scripture of, I think, how Jesus approaches going into the world, how he sends people into the world. And so I want to share those with you um, and just kind of in, in how I think that they, uh, how we engage the world, you know, some, some of these concepts. And so the first one we brought up comes from uh, Matthew 5, um, and it's in verse 14. And it's a verse, if you've been around the Bible at all, you've heard this verse. It says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Right? And so he's he's made this statement just right after he's talked about the Beatitudes. And then the very last Beatitude, he's talking, blessed are you when people insult you. They persecute you and falsely. Like, like He says, when you are in my world, they are going to attack you. Right? And he doesn't say run away. He doesn't say build a moat. He doesn't say, you know, put up the electric fence or whatever it might be. Instead, he says stuff like you are the salt of the earth. We didn't cover that verse. But then he also says you are the light of the world, right? He doesn't say 
I want you to be the light of the world or I want you to to shine brightly. He says you are, right? So there's this language that this is who you are. It's, 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 not, it's not like you're a flashlight that you can turn off and on, but you are a light of this world. And, and you know, you, you can't, you know, in this, and that's where he talked about, you know, when he says putting that, that light and uh, that lamp, that that lamp under a bowl, right? So it's almost like, hey, if I put it under a bowl, I'm going to turn it off for a little bit and then I'm going to turn it back on. You know, he says, no, you are a light. That's your essence. That's who you are. That wherever you're at, you are this light. You light everyone around you. And so um, I think the first thing we take from that and what it means for us to be in this world is that one, it's just who we are. And it's just our presence um, in this world that wherever we're at, we are to have intentional presence of that we are going to show a different way to live. We're going to show a different way to approach things. We're going to show a different way that when, when we are persecuted, when people lie about us, when people are ugly to us, whatever it might be, whatever we come in contact with, we are going to be differently. And if you really want to get dive deeper into what that means, just go up a little bit more in Matthew 5 and read verses 1 through 11 and read the Beatitudes and know that those are legitimate things that God calls us to do. They're not just like pie in the sky type of stuff, but that's what it means to be the light, is to be those things, to be peacemakers, to be pure in heart, to be merciful, right? To all those other things, to be meek, um, to, to mourn with those that mourn, to, to, be, to be poor in spirit. All those things are literal ways to be the light and not to be uh, like this world. So... Um, that's one thing that we can look at. Now, another another passage that we can look at is um, in Luke ten. In Luke ten, I'm going to reference this one. I think uh, well, I'm, I'm going to reference it once at least right now. Um, and this is where he sends out the seventy two. And there's a lot of great stuff in, in this means, but this is where where Jesus is taking these these seventy two people that he's appointed. He's going to send them out into the world. Right? He's going to. I want you to take my message. But very simply, in verse ten or chapter ten, verse one, he says, "After this, Lord appointed seventy-two others and sent them two by two to every town and place where he's about to go." Right, and so this idea, very simply, that when we engage the world, we never do it alone. I think that is that is Jesus's standard. I think that's God's standard, and and you know, and, and how do we? How do we know? How do we? How do we avoid temptation? How do we avoid account or avoid falling into that pit? How do? How do we do all that stuff? It doesn't say we avoid getting dirty, right? Because when you go into the world, when you, when you're going to help those that are hurting, you're going to be a part of the sick. You're going to be part of the ugly. You're going to be a part. You're going to get dirty, right? He's not saying I want you to stay clean. He says I want you to go in there with somebody else. And I think that's so so important. This idea that that we are called to do this thing together. Right? So we have self, we have tribe, we have world, and when we go into the world, we don't go alone. I think that's just, I think there's just, I mean, I, we could spend a lot of time talking about that, but I want you to kind of just unpack what that means for you. The third verse I want us to look at um, is back in Matthew 10, and this is where, this is where he sends out the 12. Um, and he says, you know, we've, we looked at the verses where he talks about, hey, you're going to be persecuted, all this kind of stuff, and he's going to send out the 12. And he makes this statement, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves, right? The, the, the imagery is intentional, right? He says, I'm not sending you out armed like a big old tank. I'm not sending you out dressed and trained to be a wolf. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. And then he says, therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. 
And this gets us into the whole conversation about how we're to react when we are persecuted, when bad things happen to us, right? He's not telling us to be naive. He's not saying, you know, oh, just be a whipping boy for everybody. You know, and this gets us into third-way conversations about how Jesus offers a third way of living as opposed to just A and B. But he says, I want you to be a shrewd. I want you to know what you're getting into. I know I want you to know where you're walking. I want you to know the dirt you're getting ready to get into. But when you get into it and when someone attacks you, when all these things, you are to be as innocent as a dove. You are to be on your guard. But you're not to fight like the world fights. And so we engage the world, whether it's in the political world, in the theological world, in the philosophical world, in the, the, whatever it might be. When we have these conversations, we are so quick to be people. We're going to fight the way they fight. That's the only way things are going to get done. We're going to approach the wolves as wolves. But we're called to be sheep and we're called to be doves. And so our engagement in the world is never meant to be ignorant and it's never meant to be wolf-like. And so that's one way that we're called into the world. And the last one um, that I want to bring up is um, comes from Matthew 16. And this is a conversation, and this is you may you may disagree with my point here, um, and I'm still developing it here, but I it was pointed out to me a while back, and I've kind of ran with it a little bit in my mind. And how we're, you know, this idea of are we to be people who just, we're going to delete Facebook, we're going to delete uh, social media, we're going to delete all of our dirty friends, our ugly friends, we're going to delete, 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 we're going to get rid of all this other stuff. Are we called to to make all political laws that are going to be all follow the Bible's um, ways, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, or are we going to be people who, that, you know, we... we we're afraid of being dirty. We're afraid. And so we build these churches. We build these great big walls. We build the moat. We build all these. We take our kids out of the schools, whatever it might be, you know, all those things. And, and I, again, I'm not dogging this. Those, those, I think some of those have places, um, depending on where we're at. Um, fences are not wrong, right? I'm, this is not that conversation. But um, a lot of times people talk about Christianity as a place that we we retreat and that we protect ourselves. We keep ourselves from the world and the dirtiness of the world. But in Matthew 16, this is where Jesus is having a conversation with a guy named Peter. And he's, um, you know, talking about who his name is. And Peter declares that Jesus is the Messiah. This picks up in verse 13. And he's asking, you know, who do people say I am? And he gets these conversations from other people. And, but then Jesus goes, but what about you? He asks, who do you say, say I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And we have this beginning, this foundation for the concept of church. And that somehow Peter is is, is um, 
the, one of the linchpins, one of the building posts, the, the, the center point for the church. He says, and so, so that's how the church gets started. But then he goes on to say, you know, sometimes we think of church, again, it's this concept that it's this building, it's this place that is a place where people come to or a place where people join up and be part of and, and kind of retreat from this world, right? It becomes this defensive place. But that next part of the sentence has really got me going. It says, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And so we have to think, you know, the concept of Hades, right, is the opposite of church. And so it's, it's the place where the devil, the world, whatever, it's, it's this place where, um, so there's the church and there's Hades. But then it says the gates of Hades, right? And, and by nature, what are gates? Gates are not offensive, but they're defensive weapons, right? Gates are not meant to be moved. Gates are meant to keep people out. It says, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it, right? So this isn't this idea that the gates of Hades are coming into the world and and trying to take all you Christian people, right, and make you dirty. As a matter of it, it says that they're not going to do that, but it says the church will not be overcome by the gates of Hades. And so I think if I interpret this, and I could be too literal in this, right, but there is this idea that the action going on is it's the church that is storming the gates of Hades, not Hades storming the gates of the church. And that the church will not lose, will not be overcome. You know, there's going to be a battle there, but it says the church is offensive, not defensive. And so this idea that we are called, when we are a part of life, we are called to be people who are engaged, who are, and attacking is not the right language I want here, right? Because that can be, you know, that gets us into the whole um, belligerent thing. You know, again, it's the whole innocent as doves, right? We're, we're, we're attacking, but we're not attacking as wolves. We're attacking as sheep and as doves. But it's still offensive it's still going forward it's still taking it to the world and so for you that are wrestling with what it means to be in the world but not of the world it's it's messy it's it's a hard thing to do and i simply want to i don't want to give you the answer but i do want to say this if your answer is to say i am building up a wall or i'm deleting something and never going there again you've missed the point there may be seasons where you shouldn't be there, but you're suppo- we're supposed to be in this world. We are supposed to be the light. We are supposed to be in social media. We are supposed to be in politics. We are supposed to be in, in, the, in the gas stations. We are supposed to be in the deepest, darkest places of this world, and we are to be the light. We're to be there together, and we're not to retreat because we will not be overcome. Man. That doesn't take away from the pain, the hurt, the the things that we could face, um, right? Um, It's not an easy life, but it is not a defensive life. It is offensive. It is going forward, right? So... How's that hit you? What do you think? Uh, Love to hear your thoughts on that. Love to, to let you wrestle that a little bit more. That when... In our world, in our, in our life, we have the triangle, we have ourself, we have our tribe, and we also have world, that we are to engage in the world in a lot of different ways. So, 
Something to think about. Hope that uh, gives you uh, some some great things to wrestle with. And uh, if you got questions or thoughts, love to hear them. Have a great day. Grace and peace.